Hey everybody, this is Petey from the Spin Rack, and today I'm doing my, <clears throat> well, at least my last installment of The Man of Steel, since I've gotten through the seven issues of The Man of Steel. Well, not yet, but after this video, I will be done with them, and um, I left Batman, and The Return to Smallville. Jor-El to be last since this was the most drastically changed part of um, the burn version of the Superman mythos, right? So ultimately when we did a video back, I think it was um, Man of Steel versus um, Year One there was a caveat in there, or a point there saying, why would, um, why would Batman's origin, because it isn't actually Batman, uh, why would Superman's origin be tied to Batman when, um, Batman's year one didn't tie, wasn't tied to Superman? Well, I guess I have to answer that question, because it was more rhetorical. It wasn't a, it wasn't a question for, um, was an actual question. It's more rhetorical. Ultimately, before um, year one was even a thought, there was something called the Dark Knight Returns. And in the Dark Knight Returns, they had a drastic change in the greatest friendship in comic books, right? Where we would have, of course, Everyone remembers Superman fighting Batman, right? We have these people on opposite sides of the poles duking it out, right? And of course they duke it out again later. So in everyone's minds, the relationship of Batman and Superman was already there. So it's almost like we go from one, say, well, how would this relationship be changed? And not only that, there were 300 issues of the world's finest. 300 issues of Superman and Batman's friendship, of Batman getting on Superman's back and flying through the air to different things. So the dynamics was going to change. And this was, to me, the most drastic from anything we'd seen so far. I mean, outside, obviously... Burns thing for Jor-El and Krypton was just kind of make it timeless. With the headbands, they were a little like, you know, a little more like a like with Flash Gordon type of deal. So we'll get to that later. We'll get to this one, right? Now, Batman is John Burns' favorite character. Um, he's always had a liking to Batman, but he also has a struggle with him. Since it's a detective book, and he's not really ready to jump in and just do detective stories. So, I said that takes a while to kind of think up. So, we start out, and this one starts from Batman's actual perspective. Whereas this time, we see him, we see his POV from the perch, right? And coming in and putting the beats on this guy. Now, this is a little more intense than Batman has been 
in the um, in the comic books at the time, outside of the Dark Knight. And this is where Batman comes in. He's dealing with this crook, and he threatens him. About threatens hurting him, and the guy pushes back. And Batman is gonna put some put some beats on this guy. And right before he catches up with him, Superman comes along. He catches the line of his rope. He's about to cart him off to jail. And Batman, let's go. Right? Superman goes to save him since he thinks Batman's gonna fall to his death. And Batman's gone. Right? Batman is, is able to slip away, right? But he, he, he gets Superman's attention. The Superman's ready for him this time, but Batman has something up his sleeve or somewhere else, right? And he notices it's a little handy-dandy um, force field, which would be like a sensor, something that would be in your, um, your airports, right? like a metal detector, and it's set up to connect with him. So this is their first meeting, right? And Batman says, someone's gonna die if if you take me, you cart me off to jail. And he's like, what? You would do something like that? Batman gets to see this harsh. Now this is close to what Batman was when he was in the early things by Bill Finger and Bob Kane and um, Jerry Robinson. Right? So, Batman tells him a story about someone who, um, a jeweler that gets killed. And Batman's kind of on this case. And he's chasing after someone called Magpie. That's who he's right on the tail of. And the guy Batman was beating up. Bull is, um, getting cursed out by Magpie, right? So this is supposed to be like the wacky villains of Gotham. It's a bunch of them that go along with Two-Face and the Joker, right? And she's a little touched. She decides it's a not happy birthday to um, paralyze them and put a stick of M80 or stick of dynamite on. And Superman hears an explosion, and Batman and Superman are off to the races. Now, we obviously know that, that Superman is way faster than Batman. And at the same time, Superman doesn't want to lose track of Batman here. That's set up in the story. But this changes the whole dynamic of their relationship. Because most of the time, in the world's finest... Superman would put on, Batman would put on a crazy suit so he could survive the speeds that Superman would um, go at. Or um, Superman would just get on, Batman would just get on Superman's back and it would be the wackiest thing ever. But they were buddies. So here, this changes it. So never again will we have that scene, right? This is cool. It's rare that you see like an old school lighting effect in here. Right, I always like pointing that out. 
Bull is dead, and Superman's in there, right? Batman catches the other one. And Magpie plans to escape with acid. Superman's able to handle it. And he takes it out into space. We all just freeze. And then he sees what he thinks is Batman trying to get away. But he's not. He's got a computer lab. And he figures out where this piece of relic is and how old it is. It's very old. 5,000 years old. That means she could be in only one place. And Batman and Superman figure it out. Right? And then... Batman realizes that um, Gotham is kind of different. And um, he's like, well, this is kind of someplace I'll let you handle. But, you know, I'm going to keep a watch on you. Batman's out to deal with his war. Eh, remember? His private war. Go to the war that was in here. Right? Where uh, Before, I mean, Burns kind of showed him when Batman shows up the next time with Robin kind of softened his um his ways right superman's worse still worried about that person right of course batman wouldn't endanger an innocent person so he met himself right this is the classic i think they also did in star trek they said in another reality would be friends as they were in 300 issues of what's name so this gives us a new dynamic of course they slowly put them together and they have Superman, Batman title. There's a bunch of those things, right? So Batman would show up at least once a year. So it kind of kept you a little bit of that relationship. Not as strong as it once was, but, um, you know, they did, they would visit. So here is the return of Smallville. Now, one of the things that um, Byrne ran into when he was doing Man of Steel was that when they realized that his parents were going to still be alive, they the, the news was like, he's basically going to be running home to his parents. And that sent a wave through comics that, oh no, even though many people wanted Superman to bring up his his viewmaster to view Jor-El, this idea of going home to the Kents and dealing with his problems was problematic for fans. Even though routinely, well, Superboy did it more, but it has been stated by others that Superman should still be able to talk to Jor-El. And this kind of has that aspect in it, right? And some aspect that was in the movie. Right? So Superman goes home if we keep this in mind, he's not sure of his origins. He knows he's from space. He goes back in there. He settles in. He's one of the crowd. He meets with his, his parents. <laughs> right? They go back and she's about to tell him something. And keeping it to themselves. He's just catching up. They're not really solving this problem. 
right? But they're just talking about different things. Superman's chilling. He's a big fan of rhubarb pie. And <laughs> he has Jor-El meets up with him. Now, this is a classic moment. This is a great page. I always love this page. I love the cake, the, the pie falling out. It's a, a really nice one. And um, this would harken back to the fact that at some point, Jor-El was almost a um, supporting character in the book. Even though he had died, they kept finding ways for Superman to meet up with Jor-El. I think even, um, no, I think that was Superman meeting up with his, um, his adopted father, right? So, this Jor-El has somehow left this thing for Superman, and he's connected with it. And he immediately understands it changes into Kryptonian language. And he can understand everything here. So here, he knows their language, right? He sees Krypton. And he runs into his mother. And he wakes up. And he sees Lana. Right? And she's like... And Clark doesn't know that she's back. He say, what's going on? Say, no. It's a nightmare. He said, you left it years ago. After what you did to my life. Well, what happened? And this always cracked up at this thing, which was real. Yeah, Superman was, Clark Kent was going through something and Lana sees him and says he looks awful. But this is Lana right here has a life ahead of her. She knows that it's going to be possibly married to Clark. Clark might go to football. Who knows what he can do with his smarts and his brains, right? And this relationship in this point here has been played up a couple times since. It's been played up by, um, what is it? Um... Superman for All Seasons, we're going to get to that, but it's kind of hard to do those books because they're square bound. It's kind of hard to open them up, but I'll try to because this it connects to, um, to Man of Steel almost exactly, but it kind of tried to just have moments and moods and not really get too in-depth with what was going on here. And people bought it. Where it's basically the same thing. There's no cosmic stuff. It's, it's not too much. because I don't think there's any Krypton in there. It's just kind of um, Superman the movie slash Man of Steel. But less scenes and just allowing the art to showcase. Right? So Superman kind of lets him line in on a secret. Because they've been together for so long. So there's no point in kind of trying to break up with her kind of shows her what he can do why he's explaining all this stuff right never go into any of this stuff but I was a fan of um, 
the Smurfs, right? Not a fan of one to grow on. All right, Superman drops it off, kisses her on the head, and leaves. And then we have what just happened, and we see her a little bit older, lost a little baby fat, and she's shocked what you did to her life. And she was the, the closest friend, and then now Superman's a part of the world. And this is a powerful moment between these two of these people. Now, um, I don't know, it's one of those things... I'm going to do some other videos where we talk about more like dialogue. Because a lot of times we had these scenes where it's a discussion and people just want, hi. <laughs> like good dialogue is having barely nothing there. When these set up scenes here, look at this nice shot here. Then of the house, which is going to be fixed. We're going to see this fixed up over time. Right, and dealing with the, the setting the mood so nicely and then getting into the discussion they have because they're having a heavy discussion. Superman is like, Oh man, I came here to to help things figure things out. This is the only make it worse. Like I can I don't even I don't even know if I could date date um date um Lois, right? So he's going to see the what's the name? The spaceship and it's gone. Right? You see, but it's been going for six months. Right? And this is uh, six months that's very elastic. Right? <clears throat> but there's something left. And... And of course, there's some things and he's giving up. And he said, says, he Slipping away his humanity, he's learning all about Krypton, all the information that they need, and he's just feeding it into Superman, right? And then his parents come, and Pa destroys the thing by accident. And Superman is like, he said, "Where he? That that was his father," and then there's a shock to his parents. But he can't talk to his parents about this. He has to deal with it himself. And this is the thing where he couldn't just develop a relationship with his dead father. Because it's kind of ridiculous. Even though, even though um, he'd have all the information and he could have a um, visual image of his father. And I think Jeff Loeb did that. He did a story of a return to Krypton where he just hung out and fought battles with um, on Krypton. So it's kind of wacky. You might as well just keep Krypton alive and Superman just stay, come visit the Earth or something like that, right? So he still has a lot to comp contemplate, right? And he figures out that he's the survivor of it, right? And he gets this. The gift that he gave him, all the stuff from Krypton is that, but he connects more with his humanity, right? And this is not really a hard idea, right? Because it's all in his head, right? So I think a lot of people in seeing this, even though this image was used in Time Magazine saying this was the classic Superman, like they totally, they were railing burn Superman, but they used this image not knowing that 
this was from <laughs> the new Superman, the new, um, what is that, the Deltification thing. So yeah, there we go. We have that. And just to show you that it wasn't over for Krypton, we have this, right? So when people say, hey, where's the imaginary stories? There's your imaginary stories. Where's your Krypton stories? You want Krypton stories? No, you don't. We got Krypton stories, right? I think even, um, uh, who is it? When, um, I think um, George, George Perez had a lot of issues with um, what Byrne was doing until he read it. After he was, when he was getting back on the book and he was trying to keep him, get himself abreast of it, he's like, oh, there are some Krypton stuff here. There's some imaginary stories, you know? And then that's what ultimately, having that little bit left, let him do the artifact and all the other stuff he did, creating the whole, um, what's that thing? The Fortress of Solitude, stuff like that. So it was enough thread here. They find something in the thing he comes out of it when he goes to the war world. But, um, you know, this is uh, the first six issues. It kind of, this and the Dark Knight kind of brought me back into comic books. And I started reading it all again. Um, this is more quieter for Burn. So, when he gets back up to speed... The next sort of issues are this one, Action, and um, Adventures of Superman with Marl Wolfman, right? So, um, I think now a lot of people complain about this cover for some reason. I love this cover. I still do. And the idea is saying that, like, I don't know what they want. They want, some, I guess, maybe something like this. But um, the idea in the comic book, a lot of times the cover, you can either, you can have a lot of things that Marvel would do, is have you worry about the heroes and would they make it out of it. But I think a lot of people being too adult or not understanding that they need to give up the passion if they're not into it anymore, is that you have to worry about these guys. So I think that's it. Maybe we'll do some more. There's a couple of issues I do want to do. Definitely want to do. Um, uh, there's, there's some definitely some issues of the Superman series that I want to do, and possibly this one is one of them. But um, I know I want to do the Toy Man because it has some bits in it that I really like. In issue 13, there's also some other cosmic stuff. The Hawkman in this series, Green Lantern, a couple times. And Superman in action. So um, there's some space adventures in this run. There's some, you know, some a lot of stuff on Earth. So it's just a it's just a solid run for I guess uh, almost two years or two and a half years of burn working it out, spin a rack out.